0: Hello, how are you?
1: I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm good, happy Hanukkah.
1: Happy Hanukkah. This is episode number
0: 22. Hey, this is Alvin Shia, wishing you a happy Hanukkah. The next 17 minutes is our gift to you. So light up the night and let love shine through while you enjoy the next 17 minutes together with us, your family. Take us away, La Fulanae. Eh?
1: When is the first night of Hanukkah this year?
0: It's on Friday, but it begins the evening of Thursday, December 10th. And it goes until the evening of the 18th, which is Friday, December 18th. You obviously know more about Hanukkah than I do, but I, I noticed I know some things. I find it fascinating. I think it's a holiday that Christians should honor. And the reason why is it's mentioned in the Bible in John 10 22. And it says that Yeshua showed up for the Festival of Lights. And so he went onto Solomon's porch to talk to his disciples. I guess that's like the meeting, was the meeting area in the second temple. But the story I find fascinating because it kind of, if you understand it, you understand what was the situation around Yeshua, Christ at the time, uh, roughly 30 or so A.D., Uh, what was going on. And so I think the story of the the Maccabees is kind of an important story. And it's also a holiday that that Jewish people still celebrate. It was celebrated in Christ's time. And so it's been celebrated since then. Josephus talked about it, and and he kind of explained why it was celebrated. I think it's fascinating because it's the Festival of Dedication, but it's also known as the Festival of Lights. Uh, And again, because it was the reestablishing of the second temple, or the rebuilding and the rededication of the second temple. Uh, And there's so much symbolism involved in it. I've read the story over again. I know from a historical point of view. I find it fascinating. Uh, Judas Maccabee is a Hellenistic name, and they didn't want to be Hellenized anymore. And so they wanted to kind of get back to the original worship of Hashem, and so they went and took the temple back and they rededicated it and they were out of oil and so it was it's called the miracle the oil lasted for eight days until they can make more i wonder when it actually happened the actual date states i think i think we know it's, it's november 21st i think is what it was but i don't know the the actual day that it took place what do you mean day the um when they when they actually took the temple back and they rededicated it. There was on a set day that was like
1: right, but you can't apply that to the to uh, the current Western calendar because the Jewish calendar will always be at odds with the calendar that we use. So it'll never be on a, on say a November twenty fifth or what have you.
0: Well, I wonder if it was on like a, a the days of the week because um, right now it's going to land on a Thursday night, and then it begins on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it ends on a Friday, right before Shabbat. Uh, and in the original festival, I think they ran; they were out of oil and they had enough oil to last one day. So they would have had it to cover for Shabbat. If it, if it was like right now on the same timeline, it would have covered for Shabbat. And then on the next day, Sunday, they would start to make the oil again, which they made from pure olive. Like things I know about Hanukkah, I know that there are certain foods that you eat, like jelly donuts, which I love jelly donuts. Pancake, potatoes, maybe I think it is, which are tasty. But all of this seems to be made with oil. Uh, I think the dreidel is like used for like gambling, um, or it's something along that effect. Uh, there's like four sides of it. One is an N. There is a uh, an H, uh, an S, like Shen, and then the last one is Hey, oh, H Hey Hey Nun Gemo. I've played it before. It's actually a really interesting game. They say it's for kids, but I think adults can play it too. I I don't know. I've I've never asked, but I wonder if it was originally a national gambling game that they played, and then as you get older, it's just dedicated to kids. It begins this week, and I saw a video of somebody talking about it once. And I had a friend had mentioned that they tried to separate it from Christmas. Who they? People, different families don't want it to be associated.
1: Jewish families or. Are- Christian families,
0: Jewish families don't want it to be associated with Christmas. That was probably what the Maccabees were trying to get away from in the first place—is the Hellenization or the uh, the secularization the of their faith. So, if Hanukkah becomes just like Christmas, I mean, I I think that's what they they try to avoid. But I wonder how much it has become like Christmas. You know, like they still we still get, they still give gifts and that kind of stuff. I saw someone was talking about it, and so they try to make sure that it stays very separate from Christmas. I think it's nice that it happens around the same time. That's one of the reasons why I like to say happy holidays to people, unless you're willing just to go on and to acknowledge happy Hanukkah and then, you know, Merry Christmas and happy solstice and happy Kwanzaa. I like the Festival of Lights. One year I was walking down the street in L.A., and a friend of mine, Some kids came up to him and they were like, are you Jewish? And he goes, yes, because you should have headgear on. They gave him like a little menorah or they offered it to him. He didn't want it. And I asked him if I could have it. I lit it for the time of Hanukkah. I've just kind of like have a special attachment. I find it a very uh, interesting story. And again, one of the important parts for me for the story as a military person is the Maccabees were against a much larger force but they defeated them by using guerrilla tactics, kind of like a little bit like the story of Gideon. I don't know where that where that lies in the timeline. They used guerrilla tactics to take on a much larger force. Uh, and over the course of time, they defeated them. And that's the most impressive part for me of the story. Uh, and I think even today, a lot of commanders can still look to the Maccabee Wars as a way for a guerrilla force to take on a much larger force. That's my favorite part of the story. What we should really be noticing is it really turned into a physical war. I don't think they were in it for the glory as much as in for a better purpose, and that's a, a, a spiritual war. That's all I have to say about Hanukkah. Oh, by the way i wanted to ask you about something else about uh, a video that you sent me
1: i sent you a video uh from the youtube channel veritasium that looked at what the different categories of potential destructive things
0: when you say destructive things like it seemed to be about meteors
1: we only care about meteors and asteroids if they have any likelihood of crashing into the earth
0: Well, I think that's the one time that we should really be caring about them the most.
1: Yes, because you often send me videos of sort of clickbaity titles. I sent you something that had some scientific information in it.
0: That video, when I first opened up, this opening is for like an advertisement for something else. And it shows this meteor kind of coming right in at you and hits the ground and then bounces like, oh, crap. One of the things that was in that video was a meteor that actually made it into the atmosphere. But unlike the opening, the commercial, it didn't hit the ground and bounce and land to your door. It actually exploded on the horizon. Uh It's this huge, giant flash. What came after was this giant bang. And that's the scary part because people see this flash, they look out their window, and then the bang just blew glass into everybody's face. He said like a thousand people.
1: That's the one in uh, Russia, right? So, like in, in the last 20 years. Yeah. So there there are like sixty-one hundred meteors that are large enough and every year we're hit by about sixty-one hundred meters. That's 17 a day. That's almost one an hour.
0: I've heard before that if you go on top of your roof that you can take a little small brush and you can scrape up what seems to be dust, and it's actually just meteor debris that's falling on our roofs that that they burn up in the atmosphere every hour.
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: But it's not the small ones that I worry about. In the video the scientist was saying that the chances of, like, uh, extinction-level meteor striking in our lifetime is about zero. And that's one that can take out the entire planet. However, one that could take out a city can happen anytime. He says that we can track a lot of them. We, we see them. We have, like, a 45-degree range that we can see them behind us. But it's the ones that are coming in, like, from the direction of the sun that we can't see. And those are the ones that seem to catch us off guard. I just think it's awful interesting. We've talked on this podcast, I think, three different times about uh, meteors that were coming in, and within a week, we've had a meteor that burst in the atmosphere.
1: How is that interesting? When you now know that there are six thousand one hundred meteors that hit the Earth every year, and seventeen a day.
0: Uh, those the meteors that exploded in the air were the ones that you see or that you're talking about, aren't small enough to matter. They're very small. They burn up in the atmosphere. I'm more concerned with the ones that are so large, they leave an imprint in the sky, or they see a bright light, or worse, there's a big boom behind them.
1: You understand, right, that a lot of the meteor strikes that we have occur over the ocean when you look at the earth from at least one perspective all you see is water so let's remember how little landmass there is in comparison to water on this planet yes you're going to see meteors and people are going to take note but you're also not seen and people are not taking note of countless strikes that happen where there is no population because there is an ocean
0: three-fifths of the earth is water i got that However, it's like saying, oh, I'm not worried about getting an automobile accident. I don't need to wear my seatbelt. You know, this the chances of me getting an accident are very low. But I'm saying that it's a much higher chance of a city-sized meteor striking our planet than we realize.
1: When you say much higher, you need to give a statistic. So what's the statistic on that?
0: I think he even talked about in in the episode. I don't have this, the exact statistic in front of me, but he says it's basically probable. It's probable. There's a chance that within our lifetime, we're going to see a meteor take out a city. And I think that should be a, of a concern. I don't, for right now, like he was on a study group that kind of studied this and there there is no plan. Like as of right now, there is no plan for if a meteor is coming in right now and we can see it, and we can say it's going to hit in four days, There is no such thing as an uh, evacuation plan for a city.
1: Yes. And he went through all of that. He explained why an evacuation wasn't necessarily going to save a lot of lives. He explained why we can't redirect asteroids. Like he went through all of that. So when you're faced with something that you can't control at all, I don't understand why it's a big continuing concern to the point where we've now talked about it three times.
0: Well, the things that I think are a concern for us as humans, according to Stephen Hawkins, asteroids or a meteor strike is to be the number one concern of the human race. That's why I'm concerned about it. Above everything else, above a nuclear Holocaust, above famine, the number one concern for us is going to be a meteor strike. I just have a funny feeling that the earth has become so populated that the chances of this happening within our, our lifetime, when I say our lifetime, I mean before the year like 2065 is highly probable. We haven't even considered it.
1: What do you mean considered it?
0: I don't think the average person thinks about something like this. I don't think the average person thinks, what would I do if a meteor hit?
1: What would you do if you knew that a meteor was likely to hit within a thousand miles of your location and let's say that it was a city destroying size meteor and you had three days
0: right now i would drive to mountains in northern california
1: how many people live in austin
0: eight hundred thousand
1: what are the major arteries out of your city
0: try to get up to the ten. start taking the 10 west
1: You and five to six, maybe 700,000 other people.
0: Look at COVID. How many people do you think, take take it seriously, I think if if it was coming in and no one's paying attention, there would hardly be any people on on the road until they knew the next four or five hours is coming in. And again, look at what happened with Hurricane Katrina.
1: That's completely different. It's different because people living in those coastal areas have experienced hurricanes in the past. No one on this planet has experienced a city killing meteor at any time in our history. People are going to react differently because now this is something completely new, obviously very unexpected, just season for asteroids. Nobody can be prepared for an asteroid. Your choice is to run in a direction and hope that it hits more than a thousand miles away from the direction that you're going.
0: With Katrina, the president of the United States says, get out. And the mayor says, you're a Republican president, I'm a Democrat, we're not going to listen to you, just hold in place. Yeah. So that's what I think is going to happen again. It'll instantly become politicized. Get out. And if it happens in the next four years, the president will say, hey, get out. And Republican governors is going to say, nope. And the Republican Party is going to say, nope. And no one's going to leave.
1: What do you mean no one's going to leave? It sounds like in your world, all there are are Republicans. The Democrats aren't going to leave, the independents, which, by the way, are a huge percentage of the population that we never talk about.
0: Well, it's hard to say what what they're going to do, because right now, what are most of them doing for the COVID? I mean, I'm saying it's going to be the same reaction. Some are going to take it seriously, in which case there'll be a simple controlled evacuation. I mean, just like with Hurricane Katrina, there was jams, but people made it out in time, except for those who didn't want to leave.
1: Right. But they didn't they didn't have to drive a thousand miles to get away. Right. They had to drive 100, maybe 200 miles to get away from the danger zone. The thing with that kind of impact is that, yeah, it may hit your city dead center, but everything that happens after just like everything that happens after a nuclear blast, that's when people really end up dead.
0: I agree. But it was just something I want to get off my chest. Hopefully we have talked about it, so it'll never happen. For all of my friends out there that celebrate Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah. I just wish that more people would pay notice to. It's a very unique story, and I think it just deserves a lot more attention.
1: Happy Hanukkah.
0: Please like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash 17 Minutes Podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your friends and family. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. They're listed on our website and social media. Check them out.
1: Have a blessed Sabbath.